Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick, how are you? I'm glad to be here. Man, I'm glad you're glad. That's exciting, you know? It is. Today we're recording this. It's uh, December 21st, the first day of winter, right? I know that uh, the seasons change, and I think something happens, you know? Things move along, they progress, they transition, you know, and so we're transitioning out of the autumn, out of the fall, and into the winter. Um, We're studying the book of Matthew again, but uh, for those of you that are here for the first time, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Make sure you subscribe uh, or like our page wherever you're at, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or whatever, so that you can get notifications and know that, you know, whenever we put things out, we put about... Uh, a portion of scripture every single week. We've been doing this that true. faithfully for uh, four and a half years now. Yeah, uh, We've done the last four years, we did the Torah portions. And so this week would be Shemot, the first uh, Torah portion in Exodus. That's right. But uh, but we are actually doing the, the book of it's Matthew. the Gospels. Yeah, we got into the Gospels yeah, this year. You know, the, the, the motivation behind this, the inspiration, was that Matthew proves that Yeshua is a king. That's right. And we're his subjects. Yes. And we're living amidst anarchy. Oh, boy, are we. Yeah. yeah, we definitely need a good king, a benevolent king to come and save us from this situation that we're all in. But uh, we're studying today the book of Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to do the first half of the chapter, verses 1 through 14. That's right. So let's go ahead and uh, let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5 with the New King James Version. All right, here it goes. One through five. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's interesting. Sounds like pretty simple advice. So let's just jump right in here, um, right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, And by the way, I want to say this, which is very interesting. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, start in chapter 5, 6, and then 7, all of 7 pretty much. Yep. And then at... In chapter 8, he goes into doing the works of healing and things. Right. So I find it interesting that he covers a lot of ground in chapters 5, 6, and 7 in one sitting. It's not like two scriptures and a fish story. Yeah. Three chapters, literally, is the Sermon on the Mount. That's the revelation that I got that I didn't realize until after I had read it uh, and discovered it even in some of the commentary. So right out of the gate, judge not that ye be not judged. Mm. Boom. Yeah. Uh, the word judge is in the in the Greek twenty nine nineteen is the Greek word krino, and it means properly to distinguish, i.e. decide 
mentally or judicially. By implication, to try, condemn, or punish. Mm. Uh, you know, judgment begins with the house of God. And people take this out of context. This is kind of interesting. It's rendering a right decision when you pass a judgment. Yeah. So we're not judges <coughs> to the degree of, you know, rendering a decision one way or the other, heaven or hell, mm-hmm. I don't think. But it says, judge not that ye be not judged. Uh, and then it goes on to say, for with what judgment ye judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. So if you're hard on somebody, you're bringing charges, you better be able to back them up. Yeah. So this is kind of like the parable that Jesus tells about the servant who's forgiven his large it's debt. It's kind of like that. Yeah. But you reap what you sow. Yeah. That's Galatians 6, 7. You reap what you sow. And, and I'm not here to call anybody out, but I just want to make an example of and we could all be made an example if we could all learn from our past mistakes or whatever though i want to bring out an example uh that happened some some years ago not too long ago back in 2016. Um, here's my example a retired united states army lieutenant general who was uh, the 25th u.s national security advisor uh, in 2016 campaigned for trump and shouted out lock her up in regards to Hillary Clinton's past dealings, uh, and of course he was later charged, but did not, uh, but did no prison time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Flynn. Yep, Mike I remember Flynn. that. Lock her up. Lock her up. You know the charges on the emails and different things in, in her past dealings in the government when she was Secretary of State, I believe it was. But the the moral of the story is not not to call him out, but we got to be very careful because um, you know. Then all of a sudden, he started having problems. Right. Charges were made against him. Uh, no, Now, Hillary Clinton has never done prison time, and he didn't have to do prison time, but there were charges made against him that he, he could have done some prison time. Yeah. So there was well, some- Well, he pled uh, guilty and then tried to renege on it and all that. Now, I don't want to get into saying all that, that he but was, what I'm saying is that- Threatened. I don't think that we should use the-, the the bully pulpit or the pulpit as a bully or to call somebody out or to blast somebody just because, um, what's, what's the reason behind it? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I would say this and, and I'm not trying to disregard John the Baptist, but I find it interesting that he was called to, uh, prepare the way of the Lord and he was called, uh, for, to call people to repentance and to do mikvahs. Uh, ceremonial cleansing. And so what happened is uh, I, I find that John the Baptist was calling out Herod, calling him out publicly and uh, really razzing him pretty hard about marrying his brother and calling him out. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he wasn't required to do that of the Lord, but I thought, did he really have to do that? Was he required to do that? Because you'll notice that when John the Baptist lost his head, Jesus grieved. He yeah, cried. He wept. He wept. You know, so uh, I'm not saying it's not, you know, the Lord or it is the Lord, but I would say that just think had he had not approached Herod in that manner, I think he would have stepped aside and whatever, gone back to the Essenes. Yeah, <laughs> wherever he was. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that these are interesting um storylines yeah and i'm not trying to speak on behalf of john the baptist but what i'm saying is that i'll get to ask him he'll probably say you know i probably shouldn't have done that i was a little zealous yeah and i think we all do it we overstep our boundaries our lines sure and then we get in trouble for it and we we shouldn't yeah you know so i'm just saying that 
Well, um, I, I, know. I find it, you know, John the Baptist situation, I think, is a little bit different. John the Baptist was bringing righteous judgment. He was yeah. doing it publicly. Um, and he obviously ruffled Herod's wife's feathers. Oh, yeah. And he, he paid the consequences he did. for his boldness. It's sad. But in, in here, we're talking about judge not that you be not judged. And I think we pull this out of context a lot. And the context here is you need to introspectively judge yourself first so that you can then help others, you know, gain the same progress that you've made. And I think that really it's, it's the spirit behind the judgment here that we should be all working to restore and to, to reconcile and to help one another and that we should be doing things from that angle. However, there's certain times where judgment is warranted, right? So like maybe you shouldn't be associating with certain people because of their current condition, right? And right. you don't really have any business being with them or you don't want your children associating with you. You've made a judgment call uh, that may seem judgmental, right? But right. is also prudent and a good idea, right? Um, and so I don't think those are the things that Jesus is talking about here. Um, there's another a saying that I think it was, uh, Angela Fitch that brought up last night. People that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Right. Yeah. And so I think the idea here that Jesus is, is uncovering is that there's a lot of people that were very quick to call out the sin of others. Think of the woman caught in adultery. They drag her up before but Jesus. Where's the guy? Yeah. But well, not only where's the guy, but at the end of the day, when he says, Hey, all of you without sin. That's a good point. Go ahead, cast your stones. And the older ones dropped the stones first because they knew they'd been living longer and had more troubles. Well, and, and the point being that all of those people fall in the place where they probably have a, a beam in their eye. And thank God we don't have stoning anymore. Oof, yeah. We have the rolling stones, but we don't have stoning. Yeah. And even then, I mean, Mick Jagger's getting older. So it, undue harshness and a judgmental attitude toward others will result in being treated in much the same way by God. Right. Well, you can see it in politics right now, um, even on the left and the right. They'll, they'll call each other out, you know, and they're always trying to get a ha-ha gotcha moment. And so no progress is made because they're so petty. And everything is always, you know, about my team, your team. Oh, look, you guys did this. You're such hypocrites. But, like, meanwhile, you really could care less about that actual situation because, you know, whatever, right? But, but you, you're quick to call out the hypocrisy in others, meanwhile acting as a hypocrite. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if you're just bashing the church every service and the government, then what are you creating but a, a, a community of negativity? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, lambasting and all that other stuff when, when, when you could be inspiring people, encouraging people in the kingdom of God. Amen. So let's hit number three, Ryan. You can take it from there. Yeah. So now we're, we're, now we're going to get into some really good things. Yeah. So why beholdest thou the mote or the speck that is in your brother's eye, but considerest not the beam or the log that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. First cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. I want to see what you have for the New King James Version, but this, this is actually something I put in with the ESV. The King James Version is a moat. The English Standard Version is a speck. Yeah, mine says speck. Uh, and so the beam is a log. Yeah. Okay. And a moat is a speck. Mine says plank and speck. And you know what I like to use? I don't think, I, I don't know what translation would be. I say, I got a two by four sticking out of my eye. Yeah. And you have a toothpick. Yeah. Kind of like, 
So the one who feels grieved and humbled over his own sin can help remove the moat or the speck from others. You know, there's a proverb that says, don't grab a strange dog by its ears about like minding your own business. Uh-huh. So if God gives us a way to help people, then we should help them. Yeah. But we got to be careful. That I don't think we can just go and bring correction to people just out of the blue. Yeah, but just, helping gotta, people is careful. different than casting judgment That's on true. Them. We have to be careful yeah. how we do it. Yeah. You know, are we even meant to bring that up? What if we know about somebody's sin? Yeah. How do we handle that? Sometimes we just have to pray. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be like, well, God will say, well, go f- confront them. Now, sometimes he will say, you know, give them a word. Yeah. But I'm just saying we really do have to be careful. Well, and, and to your point, um, you know, I think that this verse gets taken out of context a lot. I think that's part of the issue. Like, you've heard, only God can judge me. I even think there's T-shirts that people make, only God can judge me. You know, yeah, and right, usually those yeah. people are in, you know, blatant because he decides heaven or hell. Right. We in, don't in blatant sin. Right. And they don't want other people having anything to say about their sin. And so they say only God can judge me. So they're really twisting the scriptures to their own demise, as Peter says. In First and, you Peter. know, and giving testimony to victories of, of past sins or, or falling short. Yeah. And maybe like presenting like I would like present something like, hey, you know, this is where I messed up or this is where God delivered me. Yeah. Somebody listening is going to be like, wow, you know, he, he I'm going through this. Yeah, yeah, and interesting. And he's given a testimony and he's being honest. Yeah. I'd like to be that. I'd like to do that. Yeah. You know, uh, discuss why it's so important to judge yourself and not others. I just have a, a few thoughts here. Self-examination is always good. This yes. ain't about beating yourself up. Like, I agree. Teshuva is not about beating yourself up for 40 days. Right. Self-examination is always good. You know, uh, what do I need to do to do better? What am I working on? What is God showing me? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, when you get better, everyone gets better around you. Mm-hmm. So when you're a better person and you're positive, that can spread. Yeah. It's contagious. Now, I was thinking about this, you know, in reference to the Hebrew roots and the way that people get very judgmental oh within my gosh, the Hebrew roots. It's horrible. It is. It's, it's like the, pick your poison. Yeah, the Hebrew roots gets pretty pretty at, at all levels. Oh yeah. Denominational, ideology, but what Judaism. Hap- what happens is is that people kind of they come in and I was just talking with a friend of mine about this the other day. The people come into the Hebrew roots and they end up with a bad witness. And the bad witness is because they become very judgmental right. and they get that, that finger out and they're telling everyone what they should be doing. Right. Oh, you should be going to, you know, doing Sabbath on Saturday, Friday night to Saturday. Oh, you should be not eating that. You should be eating this or, you know, whatever it is that they have to say, they have a lot to say to others. Meanwhile, yeah. having a plank in their own eye, right? And I think that it's a good example of what not to do um, is you go to a lot of these Hebrew roots groups and you just look at the comments and you'll see that's the way we're not supposed to behave that's immaturity so would you say the culture is built around let's go after people well, I def- it's, a, it's it's i definitely think so yeah, yeah it's 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 free just go yeah. after people go yeah, after them yeah but see torah you know, is about judging yourself right? right so you should be first teachings and instructions judging yourself you should be applying the word to yourself running uh, your actions and behaviors and thoughts through the filter of, of God's word before you allow them to go out into the world, you know, your actions. Well, let me behaviors. ask you this, though, Ryan, because we live uh, in the United States of America and we have a constitution, we have religious liberty. Mm-hmm. So why would we want to put our faith on somebody else? Think about mm-hmm. it. So what if, what if we're expressing our faith the way we do? We do church on Saturday. But is it fair to put it on everybody? 
Well, it's that like the church is yeah, wrong. You're right. The it's church like should have services on Saturday. See, this is where we go wrong in this movement because we have religious liberty. Yeah. Now, if you say, "Hey, I have church on Saturday, and today's modern church is Sunday or whatever," uh, why get into all the uh, negativity of okay, well, it's wrong. They should be doing Saturday when they have the religious liberty to continue to do Sunday. If they want to do a Saturday, they can come join us. Yeah. But why come against the Sunday worshipers when you just they put? It, I'm going to give you an example. It's like when we say something along the lines of this time of year, I don't believe in Christmas, it's a pagan holiday. I don't celebrate Christmas. Why would you want to say that or that come out of your mouth when people's, the walls are going to go up? Yeah. But why don't we look at the approach like, because now they're going to feel like, oh, well, you're a pagan. Yeah. This is the birth of, we're celebrating Jesus. You don't believe in Jesus' birth? And right away you've shot yourself in the foot. Yeah. But what if they say, hey, Christmas, and you say, this is a special time of year. You know, I really believe it is. And and this is my approach. And then I would say, you know, I've been doing some studying and uh, I've kind of discovered, I've come to the to the to the the thought process that I, I believe Jesus was conceived at this time. Yeah. And we have this story of Hanukkah and he's a light. Right. And he would have been conceived and born probably in the fall, but we don't have his date or anything. But I find it interesting that he is the light of the world and the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of Lights. And, uh, and there's some things in the Bible that talk about, you know, different things uh, that would be happening at the time of his birth. So I think this is a special time of year. See, you saved yourself yeah. and you can draw them in. Yeah. Because they're like, wow, I never thought about that. Just like the, the Catholic Church was celebrating the Immaculate Conception of Mary in December. Yeah. So what an interesting thought. Yeah, I thought that was funny, too. I found that in my uh, little... Because uh, you had mentioned it to me. Yeah, it was like on one of my calendar And then book. I went to this mass for a funeral, and the priest said it. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. All right. How funny, though. Um, you know, I think also that if we want to be used by God, then introspection and judging ourselves by God's standard is a big deal. Because one of the things is that if you can be introspective and judge yourself and avoid sin, then you can avoid the consequences that God would bring on you. Think of how much better we can be if we just think about it, like for ourselves, whether it's losing weight or financial responsibility, you know. Well, let's, let's move on to, uh, to number four, because now we're kind of switching gears a little bit, right? We're not going to be judging others. Yeah. But at the same time, now we know something. We don't want to judge others, but we have to be careful because yeah. this next sets up. Scriptures are, is good. Yeah. So number four here, uh, it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. And it's, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. And again, that's Matthew chapter 7, verse so 6. So you got some commentary on that. This is kind of interesting. Well, um, a couple bullet points here. Jews considered dogs to be unclean and used the term to describe those that were apart from or enemies of Israel's covenant community. So anybody outside of the covenant, anybody that didn't want to be part of the covenant, or was against the covenant. I would love to. Yeah, yeah, I've got. I'll some. do First Samuel. All right, I'll do Psalm twenty-two, verse sixteen. I'll do First Samuel seventeen forty-three. First Samuel seventeen forty-three. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Yep. Very interesting. And then uh, Psalm 22 is a messianic uh, verse here. In Psalm 22, verse 16, it says, For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. <coughs> so that was interesting because um, uh, I think Mary last night was talking about how... Um, they would have dogs that would, you know, kind of come and 
bite it and eat it, the flesh of the crucified victims and yeah. things like that. It's pretty bad. So uh, Proverbs twenty six eleven: As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Oof, not good. Repeats his folly. You know what comes to my mind is remember the woman. It's funny that you say that because I have it pulled up. Go right ahead. Here. Let's, let's read that what she says because Gentiles were considered dogs. So um, this is uh, chapter fifteen of Matthew, starting in verse twenty one, and it's titled. A Gentile shows her faith, and it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after, out after us. But he answered, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, we could camp there, but we're not going to. Ooh. It says, Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Interesting, right? So he's calling her a dog. Well, because they're not in covenant with Israel. But they're, listen, you know. she didn't take any offense. No. She knows what she needs. She needs Jesus. And here's what she says. She says, And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So, you know, think about what's happening today, Ryan. You're either for Israel or against Israel. You're for the covenant or against it. You're for the Jewish people or you're against the Jewish people. You know, there's a conspiracy against them. Yeah. You know, um, so, so the thing is, though, as, as we move into this, this, this other um, time here, pearls symbolize the great value of the message of the kingdom of heaven. Um, Matthew 13, verses 45 and 46. The pearl of great price. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So it goes back to the value system. Yeah. So it's a value system. So some people can become violent towards you when you share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so once again, here's the situation. So who's in covenant and who's not? We live uh, in a culture where a lot of people don't believe in God, and they don't believe that he's holy, and they mm-hmm. don't believe in his book. They don't believe in the Bible. So when you take your freedom and your liberty and start believing these things, then your faith grows. But some people can become violent towards you when you share the gospel. So the discussion is... Why is it so important to use wisdom and discernment when sharing the gospel with others? Mm. Now, I just have one little answer here. Uh, I would say this. Uh, here's my example. When, when the runway lights come on, you land the plane. Yeah. So if you're in a situation <laughs> Interesting. where it could be opened up, it kind of opens up to some things, and they're, they're asking you some questions, yeah. you can land that plane. But if you just flippantly just start a conversation, uh, it, could, it could churn on you. Yeah, I um, <coughs> I immediately thought about the Jewish people when uh, when I heard, saw this question, and um, and then it you know and you can relate it to really anybody, and you can't waterboard people with Jesus, right? Um, right. And the Jewish people, believe it or not, only in North Korea, <laughs> they get told about Jesus a lot, right? Yeah. People are handing them tracts. I mean, there's people, there's plenty of people doing the evangelism thing. Absolutely. Out there. 
And I don't have any problem with street evangelism. I think that methods are methods. Um, you know, maybe the person standing out there with a sign saying like, right. you know, fags are condemned or whatever. I mean, yeah. whatever the crap that people put on signs. Yeah, I know. <coughs> Excuse me. So I just find that it, um, lifestyle evangelism, in my opinion, has always been the best way. Right. Um, be like, relational first. Right. Be relational. Care for people's needs. Um, you know, be the light of Jesus and then the doors will open up, you know, in a better way. But you know what? Every once in a while you got to take the shot, right? So I think that what happens to most Christians is they don't take the shots ever. And then they wonder why, you know, they're not successfully bringing people to the Lord. I think talking about Jesus is always going to be a good thing. Uh, but again, you can't waterboard people with it. So it's having the discernment of what to say, when to say it. I you think know, the Holy Spirit will give you the Building relationships up with people that maybe they don't have a good... Um, lifestyle maybe mm-hmm. you're, you're against their lifestyle whatever it is but if you know them and you're in a relationship where they they know you and you know them and you're civil you know i think that that creates opportunities later yeah to say hey you know you have a free will sure you know uh you know if you if you choose certain things you know i, I respect that but uh that's not i'm not in agreement with that but you know who am i to judge but i will say that you know you do have a free will um, and I think that that's important, you know, as we as we discover that. So let's go ahead, and I'm going to read Matthew chapter seven, verses seven through eleven. Seven eleven. It's called seeking God's help. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Ooh, you read one extra verse there. Yeah, I know. I did. I jumped on that one. It's all good. So what do you got on the commentary? So it says here, when, when we ask, we come before God with humility and a real awareness of a need. When we seek, we are taking responsible action in pursuing the will of God. Knocking suggests perseverance. Disciples are to persist in prayer, confident that their Father will provide whatever is best for them according to His sovereignty and gracious will. Um, I think that the the little ones, the ages... Three is divine of the Lord. Ask, seek, and knock. The ages four to seven are using this verse right now. And my uh, my daughter Aaliyah came uh, out of Miss Postpacall's class with a little booklet. And it says ask on one page. And, you know, she colored it. And seek on the next page. And then knock on the next page. You wow. Know? And so they're learning about ask, seek, and knock. And then, you know, I have a fourth thing. I kick the door down. Yeah. No, no you don't think you're supposed to do that. It says Jesus is knocking at the door. Yeah. Too. I mean, it's telling us to knock. Yeah, it says we're supposed to open the door. We're supposed to open the door. Yeah. It's a different, different context. But if you ever just want to kick the door down? All the time. Like, I just think about your roof. Oh, my roof. You ask, you seek, you knock, litigation, yeah. Yeah. kick the door down. Yeah. Yeah, they scheduled mediation for May, six months. Kick that door down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to kick the door down. I will. I will. Oh, yeah. This is a great time to have roof problems. Do you have a tarp? Yeah, several, actually. Yeah, several tarps. I've 
Have you ever wanted that? Tarptastic. Why is this going the way I need for it to go? Why is this? Uh, I have asked myself, Lord, I don't know. I don't what have a word or, I don't have a word from the Lord for I, you. I appreciate that. Um, I have but asked. It doesn't make any sense. The Lord what lesson it is I, I think god wants me to stay put i think that i i get squirrely or antsy or whatever oh. you know what i mean i think maybe i'm stuck in the situation that i'm in and god's like see i got you right where i want you now you just have to yeah. you know just squirm right there where you're at um it may be it you know? so so this is actually asking god for things you're praying you're asking yes and he's going to set the record straight right? ask seek and knock. do number six that's right so um, the next verse is 9 through 11. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, you'll give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Um, Boy, that the truth. Oh, yeah. Daddy, is this water? Can I have this water? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Does it have lemon? Yeah. Oh. Uh. <laughs> but I like the lemon in my water. Yeah, yeah. But it was funny, like, you know, she wanted water. Daddy, do you have water? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do, but there's lemon. Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. You know, um, I forgot where I was just now. But we were talking last night, and in our group, you kind of say some things sometimes like, uh, don't ask for travel mercies. You already have travel mercies, right? Yeah. Thank him for travel That's mercies. True. Because there's certain things that your father's Maybe Daddy, for will you provide for me today? Will you protect me Maybe. today? That's terrible. It's like, isn't it? of course he's going to provide. That's pro- how we treat him, though. He's your father and your bridegroom. Of course he's going to provide for you and protect you and give That's, you mercies. we got to have a better. See, I'm learning that with my father. Yeah. He's better than that. Well, it's his nature, right? So we thank him for it because we also don't want to take it for granted. But Well, I'm glad the Bible says he doesn't slumber or sleep. So thank God, Lord. I prayed, and you just you didn't hear me. Were you sleeping? Yeah. Isn't that what uh was that what uh the great prophet was calling out? Oh, he may be sleeping, or maybe he's using the bathroom when they're calling out Baal. Maybe he's using the prophets bathroom. of Baal. That's that, that storyline. Yeah. Maybe he's using the bathroom. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, that's that's people need help. That's what they need. They need serious help. You know what I mean? So God is very relational. Oh, absolutely. He cares about. You know, and that's the thing about, you know, when people are are, are taught socialism or whatever, like, oh, it's so great. There's no property rights. You lose your property rights. That goes against God because we should own property. We should have, you know, the liberty to own property. And that's our Constitution. But socialism, uh, they're going to slowly and surely try to take away our property rights. Man, I got a little something in my throat today. So um, I found it was interesting. you know, he's, he goes through Yeshua's description of humans as being evil disproves the modern concept that people are basically good. And, um, you know, we pulled up some verses yesterday. Um, there's a, a verse in Jeremiah. I think it's in Jeremiah 17. Let me tell you. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you. Hang on, I'll tell you. I got like three bookmarks here with my fingers, and I got the the Jeremiah. I got the cell phone here. Um, where is it? The pulling out a Jeremiah. That's pretty good because I don't have no Jeremiah on my notes. Oh yeah, so it's seventeen nine, uh, and it's oh here it is. Seventeen nine and ten. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, 
I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Ryan, listen. Listen to me, okay? God knows my heart. Yeah. That's the problem, Pastor Nick. It's wicked, yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. You know, people do use that. God knows knows my my heart. heart. But I I had to tell you this. In, In the field, right, in the real world out there, I have never heard somebody say, God knows my heart, when they weren't making an excuse for bad behavior. That's why people say, oh, well, God knows my heart, while they're making excuses for their bad behavior. It's like, yeah, God knows your heart. He knows that you knew you shouldn't be doing X, Y, or Z, and that you did it anyways. David was a man after God's own heart, which is, you turn the table, see, his heart. What does he want through me? Right, 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 right. Because I might go the easy way. Remember, David never bowed the knee to Baal, right? He never turned away from God. He always maintained his faith. Now, he made some knucklehead decisions. He liked the ladies. Right? <laughs> that's, that's one way to put it. I can't wait to talk to Bathsheba and David about this. Yeah. Are they going to be able to talk about it or no? Or is I, it like forgiven? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It says there's no marriage. You know, because you think marriage. about all this commentary that we speak on behalf of other people, like John the Baptist, like me. Yeah. And I'll ask him, hey, you, you, you really went after Herod, man. Tell me about that. Did God really, did you feel zealous, man? You were yeah. like bringing it? Yeah. Or uh, what? Or maybe you shouldn't have brought it up. And then they cut off just so you know, his head. Do you think yeah. he walks around like with his head like under his arm, or like you think he gets no, to wear it's it all now? back on? He's got a new body. So he gets to wear it now. Okay. So these are all the cool things. People say, "What am I going to do in heaven?" You get to talk to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. How did Noah build an ark without Lowe's or Home Depot? How did he do it? I don't know. That's got to be the most incredible thing you could ever imagine to save all of mankind. Who did a greater work than than, than Noah? I don't know. Nobody. He only had three sons. You ever try to get three teenagers to do anything? No. No, luckily I'm in a situation where I don't have teenagers. Let's keep going here. All right. So, Romans. so basically Yeshua's description of humans as being evil disproves the modern concept that people are basically good. And now I'll get into some of these scriptures. Yeah, so Romans chapter 3, verse 12 says, They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So what's he quoting? He's quoting Psalm 14, 1 through 3. See, this is why we're doing the Matthew study. Because now we can take you to the Old Testament. Where is he getting this from? Yeah. These different things. So earthly parents have an innate impulse to do what is best for their children. Yet they are flawed as a result of sin's corruption of all humanity through the fall of Adam and Eve. You want to read Romans 5, 12 through 14? And the quality of their parenting does not match God's. Mm. So... Once again, the fall of Adam and Eve doesn't measure up to the parent of God. And uh, well, the I only know of, the of does not one, match God's. Romans 5, 12 through 14. I only know of one son of God, and his, he was pretty well behaved. I would say he, he was. did pretty good. He was. So God seems to be a pretty good parent. Um, all right, so verses 12 through 14 of Romans 5. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law... Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So we want to give what's best to our to our kids. Yes. And sometimes we have to, you know, they'll always be our children, but sometimes we might have to cut ties because mm-hmm. maybe they're in a bad place. And they got to, you know, be the prodigal son or daughter for a season. Yeah. But it, it, it makes it pretty, pretty obvious here that you would want to instruct them in the, in the best way. 
So I'll give you an example. I would tell my, my, my sons and daughters, I would like to see you betrothed. Yeah. Don't, I'm not for dating. I'm against it. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I can't give you my blessing if you date. So that's your choice. Yeah. If you, if you go that route and you just want to play, you know, dating roulette, uh, I really can't be a part of that. Yeah. So you really want to get my blessing because I want you to have a good gift. I want you to have a good marriage mm-hmm. and not have to feel the pain and the sorrow. Yeah. Of having, you know, dated multiple people. Yeah. Yuck. And just, you know, sticky, icky, damaging your, your heart. Yep. You know, it's like the, the, the heart, you know, you, you have a date and you're with somebody and then you put a nail in there and you hammer it in and you do it this four or five times and you got to pull the nails out Well, your heart's just full of holes. Yeah. The, the repercussions just are always there. You know, the damage is done. Song of Solomon says, I think three times don't awaken love before it's due season or it's ple- before it pleases, you know? And it's like, you don't, you know, people want to just get married for the sake of getting married. They want to have a relationship because, you know, whatever, but they don't want to wait on God's perfect timing, you know? So that kind of sums up everything right there. And then, of course, how we treat one another. If you want to read Matthew seven twelve. Oh Oh, yeah, here we go. You ready for this? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So do unto others as you would like for them to do unto you. Mm-hmm. So let's say that, well, this person isn't going to do that for me, but we need to do it for them. Right. Because that's the right example. So, so, so what do we have here? I've heard this before, right? Um, I'm going to read our little bullet point first. It says, the word therefore suggests that the golden rule of this verse draws an application from the preceding section, because it says therefore, right? And since the preceding verse describes God's gracious and loving provision for others, the conjunction probably implies that the following golden rule shows the disciples' resemblance to the Heavenly Father, right? Which is, That's good. Which is what we want, right? But So I've heard him say things about law and prophets before. So what did Jesus say about it? He says in Matthew five seventeen, he says, Don't think that I've come to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill, right? So he talks about the law and the prophets there. And then um, obviously he's saying he didn't do away with the law and the prophets and that we can fulfill the law and the prophets by the golden rule. Well, he brings it up another time. The, um, the scribes come to him and ask him about the greatest of all commandments. And this can be found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, um, where he answers them. And it, you can also find it in Mark 12, where they ask him as well. But uh, in Matthew, it uses law and prophets again. So here's what Jesus says. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. So it's interesting because he says here, Basically, the, uh, just the reverse, but the same statement, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's just a kind of a, a similar way of, of saying the same so thing. So we're showing in Matthew the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he quotes literally Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and Leviticus 19.25, I think it is. Those are the two verses there. Wow, there's a lot of kindness here. Compassion. There is. Let me make sure I quoted you guys those verses correctly. Um, love your neighbor as yourself is Leviticus 19:18, and it's Deuteronomy 6:5. Just 
so everybody Some good has nuggets. It. Yeah, no, those are. Those so are you know, once again, there's a lot of interesting subject matter here, to say the least. Yeah. Um, well, and we're about to get into the, the one of the mysterious sets of verses in the Bible. Um, the, the straight and wide gates. The wide and narrow gates. That's right. Okay, it says right here in Matthew seven verses thirteen and fourteen. This is um, number eight on the facilitator's outline. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Uh, now we got some pretty good bullet points here to lay it out for us. Yeah, let's, do, let's read them. Let's yeah, read go right. ahead. So I'm just here. saying, I'm just amazed, like, this is pretty much in your face. What are you going to do about it? Wow. Yeah. I have to make a choice. So it says here, the way to eternal life is narrow in that it is through Yeshua alone. You hear that, everybody? Yeshua alone. Though the way is hard, those who choose the way that is easy by seeking the approval of man rather than God will find that the easy way only leads to destruction, ultimately to eternal punishment and separation from God. And so, wow. so the gate that is wide indicates that hell grants unrestricted access. Unrestricted access. Ooh. And the wide road permits travelers to meander and pursue worldly desires, but the narrow path requires travelers to stick to God's will. So, I will wow. say this. These verses like this, you know, I don't want to say they frustrate me because I don't know if frustration is the right word, but they concern me because I feel like, you know, Lord, why would it not be the opposite? Why would it not be wide is the path, right, that leads to everlasting life with the Father, right? Shouldn't it be wide, right? Don't you want to bring as many people as possible? And it's narrow, right? Narrow and narrow and few, narrow and few that make it. So you have know, wide tough. and many that don't make it and narrow and few that do make it. And so the issue at hand is free will. Because what does it say? Jesus, in, in, um, it says in John here, I'll tell you, because these are good verses, because it's, everybody knows John 3.16, right? But 3.17 says it best, I think. So it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then to verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So that's, to me, where I get my little frustration from because I'm like, you know, we can't be disappointed in God. God set a very simple, easy standard. He says, believe on my son. That's powerful, you know. Um, he said, love light instead of darkness. And men loved honest, it's darkness. Honest, yes, it's honesty. Yeah. You know, the sins done in secret is Leviticus 18. Yeah. Behind closed doors, a lot of incest and things like that. Sins that are done behind closed doors, that's not really a secret. But that's interesting because in Leviticus chapters 1 through 17, 
is the way to God. Yeah. But 18 to 27 is the walk with God. So he would say that we need to deal with our stuff. Yes. So my two points for Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 14 are qu- is quite simple. I would just say, uh, judge not that ye be not judged. Mm. Watch out for your judgments. Yeah. But in this culture, we're judging everybody and everything. All kinds of scenarios and situations. Yeah. You know, like uh, the woman who shot the guy instead of doing the taser. She's on trial. She made a mistake. Now they're really just calling for, you know, I don't know, harsh punishment. I don't know. Yeah. It was an honest mistake. It happened. He yeah. drove off. You know, he had a yep. warrant for his arrest. But, I mean, she, she was supposed to use her taser. She used her revolver. Well, she you know? they say that in that particular case, I guess, she was... Uh, lethal force was warranted. She was trying to avoid lethal force, but accidentally used lethal force, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say is that we yeah. can we can judge everything, yeah. but we don't even have all the facts. Yeah, man. It's even, even in this virus, we don't have all the facts. Yeah. We only have certain things. So I would say, number one, judge not that you be not judged. And I would say, number two, um, constantly be doing a uh, spiritual audit on yourself. Yeah. Improve yourself, and then you'll be able to help others. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I got two. My first one is take the narrow gate. For God's sake, take the narrow gate. You know? That was easy. (laughs) Well, he made it simple, right? He says, believe on my son. Believe on my son. Just take the free pass. You know what I mean? It's like he didn't make it very complicated, right? But take, take the narrow gate. The wide gate leads to destruction, right? The wide gate leads to destruction. Uh, my second point was um, we have to consider people's why. Um, we judge others based on our based on their actions, and we judge ourselves based on our intentions, thereby giving ourselves a pass. A perfect example of this is somebody shows up late, and you're like, ugh, they're so lazy, or they're always late, they can't get their act together, yada, yada, yada. But when you're late, oh, well, traffic was really bad. Or whatever, right? We give ourselves the pass. And so the point that Jesus is making, I think it's bottled up into that example because instead of giving people the benefit of the doubt and uh, using the same measure of judgment on them as we would ourselves, because we're less harsh on ourselves. Although there are some people that the reason they're as judgmental as they are is because they're also that hard on themselves. I, um, or somebody's being hard I on them. I jumped all over Nehemiah last night. I said, why are we, were you at the Bible study? Where were you? Why weren't you at the Bible study? He said, I was in childcare." <laughs> he walked away. He dropped the mic and said. <laughs> he walked away. Sucker. But see, I didn't know. Yeah. He didn't tell me. I didn't know. Yeah. And I didn't assume anything, but I just I jumped all over him. Yeah. So now you can yell at him for not communicating. How come you were not at Bible study? Yeah. Where, where, where were you? <laughs> I was in childcare. He walked away. I'm like, sorry about that. <laughs> It happened last night. We won. <laughs> yeah. At, at 9.30. Yeah. He got gotcha. you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, got gotcha. you. I think he won that interaction. Oh, yeah. yeah. He loved it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, though. Yeah, I yeah. was wrong. What you going to do? I said, thank you. <laughs> what you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your service. All right. We'll pray us out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you, God, that uh, you've given us such guidance through your word, through your son. And that uh, every day, Father, we just pray that we would be conformed to the image and likeness of your Son, that we would be closer to you, and, uh, and that we would make it, Father, that we would endure to the end. And we love you, and we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Happy Amen. winter. Yeah, happy winter. All right, bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>